Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. We're coming to you live from Robert Morris University Studios. I'm your co-host, Steve Stefano Mancini. And I'm Claudio Rosano. We have some great guests on today, Steve. Uh, show number six. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting, before it? we're going to say, I used to tell my players, I said, when you graduate, I'm going to be 44. When you graduate, I'm going to be 50. I quit saying that because <laughs> the damn ears were, were, were growing too quick. Anyway, we have, again, two great guests, but great at what they do, but they're also very great people, and I call them new friends. And our first guest is Angelo Spagnolo, known as the wor worst avid golfer. He shot a 257 and a 66 at Legendary Island Hole at uh, TPC Sawgrass. Is that even legal? <laughs> uh, he made it legal. He appeared on some great shows like Bob Euchre's Wacky World of Sports, Life's Most Embarrassing Moments with Legendary Steve Allen. Uh, he was invited to make a Nike commercial, and he appeared on somebody who I talk about all the time, an old friend of mine, Jim Valvano's Lighter Side of Sports. He authored a book called Life's an Unplayable Lie. He's all, he was also a very successful businessman, a great husband and father as well. And his son, Don, uh, he is the owner of Remix, brought to you by Steel City Galleries in Bel Vernon, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's really built this business, a very competitive, tough business, into a, a very successful business. And he's a great guy as well. And he also has a event coming up that's really getting a lot of momentum and that is the yinzer con so we cannot wait to talk to don about that so welcome angelo and don thank you thank you great for to be us. here all right all right by the way it's funny um yinzer con is something i think is long overdue just the name alone is long overdue so we are excited to hear about that yeah um claudio i'll tell you what you got your you're kind of off to a, a good start, so go ahead. What do you want to let's right. let's bring these guys right in? Because usually we try and do a little bit of um, I don't know, I don't want to say a little banter or welcome. Eh, but this is going to be this is going to be questions. kind of fun. We're yeah. going to jump around, but you, I know you guys are going to do great. You guys are all veterans at this. But Angelo, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I think it was a good thing. But who introduced you to the game of golf? Well, you know, I when I was in high school, I, I played a little bit of golf, um, but I I can't honestly say that I was really that much into it. Yeah. I used to I used to go out to the driving range with my dad sometimes and things like that, but uh, it wasn't until I, I moved into the neighborhood where I still am today, uh, which is in Jefferson Township, south of Pittsburgh, uh, that I, I had a, a group of friends that, you know, we just became really close friends. We went to we, we went to Monday night football at each other's houses and things like that. And, you know, they started a golf league and they invited me to, to be in it. And, you know, I hadn't been playing that much, uh, but I thought, well, you know, I, it maybe it would do me good because I had a high stress job. I'm running a Giant Eagle store. You know, I had about 12,000 customers a week and 150 employees, and I used to say that was 12,150 <laughs> potential problems yeah, I could have, right, you know. Right. Uh, even though it wasn't that bad, uh, it still, it, just the sheer numbers alone were enough to, to make me need an outlet. So I said, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll join the golf league. And, you know, I was, I was playing and playing badly, and and uh, but yeah, you know, these guys were so much fun. I didn't really care so much because yeah, you know, just being able to have a couple beers and laugh uh, and and be with your good friends—that's all that was important. Sure. 
Um, so one day, you know, they uh, they told me that they nominated me for this event uh, with Golf Digest magazine. I said, what, what are you talking about? And, you know, it was this worst avid golfers tournament. And, and there were all kind of criteria that you had to meet. Like you had to you had to play at least uh, 21 rounds of golf a year. You had to have an established handicap. Uh, you had to be between the ages of 25 and 55. And, you know, all this stuff had to be able to be verified. And uh, so they, they took the ball, ran with the whole thing, put the whole package together, nominated me. And, and uh, then... You know, one one fine day, I was coming home from church, and I opened up the door, and my phone was ringing. And when I answered it, uh, it was uh, Marino Paracenzo from the Post Gazette, and I could hear in the background there was like uh, an announcer on a PA system, and and he was calling from the the, the Players Championship. Wow! And he was telling me that they just announced. Who the four finalists were in the for the worst avid golfers tournament, and the, that I was one of them. And uh, you know, he wanted to talk to me since I was a Pittsburgher. Right. And uh, you know, when I told him, I you know, I hadn't even heard anything from Golf Digest yet. Then he said, "Oh, geez, uh, please don't tell him I told you." You know, <laughs> uh, but but uh, but my life completely changed after sure. that point because. Uh, it, it was like every day, starting at like six o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, all day long, I would be getting radio stations calling me uh, for interviews um, and talk show, talk shows, etc. And I, I just noticed that the questions were always the same. Like, you know, are you going to try to play good or try to play bad? <laughs> and it was like. Who in their right mind would want to go out and try to play bad? You know, it's it's hard enough trying to play good right. and knowing how that things are going to work out. You know, right. um, but but anyway, uh, yeah, it, it it was a totally uh, uh, mind mind boggling thing right. uh, when when you know like when we got down there uh, to to Florida to Ponte Vedra, um, it, the the pressure that was on the four of us was palpable. I mean, there were like 30 camera crews there from all over the country and the world even. Uh, and they were covering every move we made. And I, they even had the commissioner of golf, Dean Beeman, sure. was right there watching <clears throat> us play. Now, how much more pressure do you need than to have the commissioner of golf watching you play, you know? And before, before we went out on the course, he got the four of us together, and uh, it was like a like a huddle. And he says, uh, "Look, guys," he said, "We know you're going to play bad today." <laughs> he said, "But you know, if there's one knock against golf, is that it takes too long to play." He said, "Now, if you guys could go out there, being the worst golfers, and play in this tough course, and come back in four and a half hours or so, we'd be able to say, look." These are the worst golfers. Look what they were able to do. Right. And and he's telling me this, and I was thinking, he's got to be kidding. <laughs> if he thinks we're going to be able to finish this course in four and a half hours, 
seven and a half hours later. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's how long it took. And, and, you know, and one of the other questions that I had been asked was, what are you going to do when you get to number 17? When oh, you yeah. can't When you can't roll the ball up to the green, you know? And I, I kept saying, oh, you know, when I get to that point, I'll worry about it then. But, you know, just a few holes before that, my playing partner, Joel Mosser from Colorado, he had a, uh, a shot where he had a get over hit over water and he was hitting all kinds of balls into the water there and I was thinking geez that poor guy I felt really sorry for him little did I know what I, what was in front of me because like just a few holes later we get to number 17 and I'll give you the abbreviated version I lost 27 balls <laughs> in the water <laughs> And there was no drop off anywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 you know, after my tee shot, I went to a drop area, and and my next shot, I hit, I hit this, I scorched this ball that was going to the left, and I, I remember seeing a Japanese cameraman. And and this ball was headed like right for the lens of his camera. And now there was twenty nine, not thirty. And and uh, it just barely missed him. And when it when it came when it landed, I was like on this little peninsula. I had to, I had to cross over this little canal of water to get to the green, and I was hitting balls on the green, rolling off, oh. uh, left, right, short, long. Sure. You know, after I lost about half a dozen balls or so my caddy came up to me and he says look you don't have to do this I said what do you mean he says well you can putt down this path here and then go out to the other path putt out there and I just looked at him like why did you wait 27 balls to tell me that well no I hadn't even lost that many yet but but I said are you kidding me I said you want do you want people to think I'm making a joke out of this I said no I said, I want to get on the way you're supposed to get on. I'm not going to go potting out there. Well, I lost like 26 balls, okay? And finally, I had to do the most unbelievable thing. I had to pot down the path. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you want to talk about real embarrassment. Back then, they've changed it since, but like that path now, it's like a straight shot that goes from the land to the green. Right. Back then, it kind of snaked. And I hit, I was putting, and I putted off of the path. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, I lost the putt. I mean, how do you do that? Well, you, and, you and, and, I don't know. I and, don't know the answer to that. And, and, and uh, so I had to take a drop on the path. And, you know, when I, I'll never forget, when I, when I got to the, um, uh, when I, I sank the putt, guy from Golf Digest comes up with his clipboard. And you know what, when somebody's keeping track, you go one, two, three, four, and then a line is right. five, you know? He has this clipboard, it's like all lines. All lines. <laughs> he says, I just added this up. He says, you took a 66 on this one hole. Wow. And it was like, no. Could have been a 67. Come on, yeah, come on. And, and and it was like I must have gone into like a coma or something <laughs> that uh, of lost balls, right, right. you know. But but on one shot, my my youngest son Dave, uh, I hit a ball in the water, and all you heard was 
the ball hitting the water mm. and like dead silence. And then all of a sudden you hear, boo! And everybody starts cracking up laughing, you know? Which I turned around and I was laughing too. My son Don here, uh, he he was. Uh, he led the charge. He was. <laughs> it was a long day. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then I had to play number 18, which is like they call it one of the close, toughest closing sure. holes in all of golf. I took a 22 in that one. That's not bad. Yeah, not yeah. Bad. It was better than 17. But uh, Don, when he was at his peak, did you have, before we talk about your business, and of course we're going to get to your intercom, but. What, how were your friends reacting to it? Were they ribbing you? Were they congratulating you? What was that? What were their reactions? This this is still big news in our area. Um, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of excitement that happens in Fayette County. So, <laughs> you know, to have to have your dad on TV and in a Nike commercial that was that was always something that was kind of fun for everybody. And he was always very good sport about it. So, everybody everybody got a lot of laughs out of it. All right. Now, I did mention that you have a business. Tell us about this great business that you have and how you grew it to from A to B. Well, it wasn't directly from A to B. It went <laughs> never from, is. It was kind of like, like it was kind of like off the yeah. It was kind of like off the cart path a couple times. But <laughs> Part uh, of the pun. Yeah. I can relate to that. <laughs> but um, I started it. Actually, actually, the roots go back to as my dad said. He he ran a Giant Eagle store for a number of years. And we had a, an expansion in 1991, and we added a video department, and there were some showcases that were included there, and, and I said, why don't we sell baseball cards? And this was when baseball cards were at their peak, and Ken Griffey Jr. just came up, and he said, Don, they don't sell baseball cards in Giant Eagles. They're, you know, they're grocery stores. And you're in high school. You know, when are you going to work there? Um, every every reason that I gave him, he gave me a reason not to. So he had an engineer from Giant Eagle one day come in, and he said, "You know, I don't know why they give us these showcases to to put in the video department. We know they're for selling movies, and we just don't sell a lot of movies at Giant Eagle. We rent them." And my dad came home and told me, "He's like, well, you got your you officially got your shot." So that's that's where it all started. Um, I was 14 years old in business, so to speak, um, and I really dedicated a lot of time to it. I worked after school, I worked on the weekends, and it affected where I chose my college. I went to W&J in Washington, PA, so that I could be close by for the business. And a couple years into school there, in 97 is when eBay came along yeah. and I started bringing, I, w I would go in, I'd, I'd bring some baseball cards back with me to the dorm. I'd scan them, I'd list them on eBay. And then a couple days later, I'd get mail from all over the world in my student mailbox, which they wondered what I was up to, <laughs> why I was getting mail from Japan and China and Australia in my student mailbox. but. I, I graduated in 99. We ended up taking the video department out altogether and made it this enormous facility of, of just memorabilia. It was a whole corner of the store. It was a big, big operation. And a couple years later, we sold the store, and that kind of left me homeless, so to speak. <laughs> so that's when I started on my own, and I started 
basically from scratch in my basement in Cannonsburg. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll skip forward two decades, but now we have a, a huge thriving business in Bell Vernon. We're in the old Fox grocery warehouse. It's called the Amcel Center. And we have tens of thousands of items in our inventory. Um, we're, we're a vendor for Amazon, for Fanatics. Uh, we still sell on eBay. We we have our own website. And a couple months ago, we just added a retail store experience, um, which is going to have this YinzerCon event in a few months. And, um, you know, we, we it's it's such a weird location where we're at. It's it's That wasn't the original plan to, to have retail. But it was just one of those things that just sometimes things just have a weird way of, of finding you know just finding a way to happen in your life and just to you know with covid and, and the series of events that even led us to being in that spot we're at and you know the opportunity at this point in my life to say like you know if you're ever going to try something like this i'm 45 years old you know now's the time to, to do it and just to bring excitement and something fun to an area that you know, most of the stores in our area are, are dollar stores, tractor stores, auto parts stores. There's not a whole lot for for kids to do and for people to get excited about. And I'll tell you, we, we really have people pretty whipped up about some of the things we're doing. I think Steve? I want to ask the question that I think everybody listening wants to know. Are you still golfing? Well, unfortunately, no. And the reason, the reason is uh, I, I, I discovered that when you hit the ground about 200,000 times with, it, <laughs> with your club, uh, it, it has tragic circumstances that it leads to. I've had uh, four shoulder operations uh, and a myriad of other things uh, that just, I, I thought I was gonna be one of those guys that would be golfing, you know, into my late right. 70s, you know, you see them around. But unfortunately, you know, it, it wasn't the cards for So maybe the shoulder surgery would have helped kind of fix some alignment and all that <laughs> yeah. wow, good. Did you ever take up golfing? I was a baseball player, and right. I always was really picky about my swings. And, That's right. And baseball and golf swings getting, you know, get. Uh, I was very serious. I played up through college, so I was – of course, uh, nowadays all the baseball swings are like golf swings, right, right. Uh, yeah. which isn't good. That's funny because a lot of hockey players transition to golf because yeah. of the similarities. Yeah, right. That's, right. I, I've never heard that that was an issue with baseball. That's oh yeah, we, I know. In, we were not allowed to play golf during the high school uh, seasons. I don't tell my players not to, but uh, none of them do anyway. But yeah, it, it does because you're so used to swinging. You want to swing this way, this way. But now I'm not kidding. They actually teach so you. So now game. I see why the Pirates. Batting coaches are golfers. I get it. Yeah, now. right, right, right. Swing uh, for the stars. Angel, how were some being on some of those shows that I mentioned with Bob Euchre and Steve Allen and, of course, Jim Valvano? Did you ever step back and say, what am I doing here with these great guys? Yeah, it was it was a real, um, you know, one of those fantasy-type things that you hear about that happen to people, you know, like to, to be on with a guy like Steve Allen and – the, the show that I was on, uh, he had Gary Coleman sure. there and and Roy Clark. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, back in the dressing room area before the show, Gary Coleman came up to me and, and he put his hands on his hips and he goes, 
are you really that bad? You know, <laughs> give me the business. You like said, that. What, what you talking about, Gary? <laughs> yeah. That's what you should have said to him, right? That's right. I should have said that. But but Steve Allen presented me with a, uh, a gigantic golf club uh, that was about about eight feet long, with a huge <laughs> head on it that to, to help me with my you know my golf game. And it was funny because I had to go home on an airplane with that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, today, I don't know how I would have even been able to take it on a plane, you know. Uh, but uh, th- that was something. Uh, and the Bob Euchre show, uh, I had the, the show that I was on, uh, he had John Matuzak, right. who was the uh, the former Oakland Raider, and he he was on the Goonies sure. uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, Chunk was and, and, yeah. And he he was a riot. I mean, I gotta tell you, he was really a riot. But 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 Euchre um, told some interesting stories about him. We were waiting for him to get there on the set, and he he said uh, uh, that he was on a on a yacht one time with Matuzak, and he said Matuzak apparently was like completely out of control, and you know just like blown away. And and he was like running around this yacht like a wild man, mm. and and Euchre said, "What do you do when you're on a yacht, and you've got this wild man running around?" He says, "There's nowhere to go. Where are you going to go? You're on a yacht, okay. you know." And I mean, he was pretty funny, but. Uh, uh, and Valvano being on with him. V- Valvano uh, was the most amped up person that I ever had a chance to meet, and. Uh, he, I, I was on a show with, um, with him and uh, Rick Pitino, the basketball of coach, course, yeah, and uh, Tommy Heinsohn, uh, the Hall of Fame coach, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, they had me doing some chipping some balls <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> giving lessons, you know, with, with that. Uh, but but he was he was awesome too. Uh, I got a chance to spend a little time with him and his wife. Uh, they had a little uh, after-show type gathering, sure. and uh, uh, he. It, it was after he died. I, I I realized how it was. Again, it was like one of those feelings that you get where how lucky was I to get to meet this man and and know him. And the, there have been so many things that I can honestly say that are are blessings that I've had sure. um, that I never would have had. Had I played, it had it been an average golfer, you know. Yeah, but yeah. because I was so terrible, uh, I got <laughs> I got to meet all these people and do all these things, yeah. and uh, that's that's a kind of a mind-boggling thing. Sure. Wow, that's that's kind of. I'm going to be honest. I've never heard of that. So I mean, I don't. Do they still do that? I've never heard. No, of that. it was a one-time thing, and you know what? What they kept telling us was that. Um, you know, in the 550-some years at that time, history of the game of golf, this was this was the worst documented uh, <laughs> score. You know, and I, I don't know if it'll ever be duplicated. I, you know, I don't even see my push right, so we can talk <laughs> about that. But uh, no, but I want to. But like I said, we're going to take a commercial. But before then, again, um, 
We're going to get back to you because we want to talk Yinzercon here in a little bit and talk about your business. So, Claudia, let's take a little pause for the cause, as they used to say, and uh, then we'll come back with uh, some more fun. All right. The Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame Banquet will be Wednesday, August 2nd at the Lamont Restaurant in Mount Washington. If you want to be, or if you want to become a member and or if you want to become a member of the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame, please contact us at uh, questions at italianimpactweekly.com. It's a great event. I've been going to it for years, and uh, again, it does. Uh, the, we're raising money for scholarships. And don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get that on my website at claudiorelsano.com as well as listen to my interviews with such great Italians like Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, Dick Vermeil, Vince Papali, and Don Spagnolo was on it recently, and he'll that'll air, I think, next week. And we're going to have Angelo on Can't Wait. And, of course, our boxing TV show, The Boxing Authorities on Channel Box with Luther Dupree Jr. and Smoke and Jim Fraser. Just click on the WBC Live link. And don't forget, if you miss an episode on Thursday at KHB Radio, just make sure you go to italianimpactweekly.com. And that gets you a free coffee for saying italianimpactweekly.com. We've talked. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great site to go out and catch up some of these episodes because some of these guests we've had have been really fun and informative and you guys are obviously going to be added to that list this is uh, this has been wonderful so far but i kind of want to switch gears let's talk about yinzercon let's talk about you know where did this start you know give us kind of the history what's it about and let, let's folks know the history is is just starting to get written on yinzercon <laughs> um like i said we have we have a, a really unique location where we're at we're in this massive it's it's it used to be the home of Fox Grocery, which was Foodland's headquarters. All in all, it's 714,000 square feet. It's it's like a campus. Uh, when we moved in there, it was at the peak of COVID, and we needed a bigger fulfillment center for our business. And you know they had a lot of empty space, and it was the perfect fit. And we had been looking for a long time and it was five minutes from where we were previously located and we moved in there and I put some pictures on social media and I said this is where our new headquarters is going to be and and if you have any collections that you might you know you might want to clear out your basement or attic that this is you know you can bring them over here and a lot of questions we got was well can we shop there and like I said, this was during the peak of COVID, and I kept telling people, "Well, no, you can't shop there. It's it's just set up. It's it's just endless aisles of product, and nothing's set set up in a in a unique way, and and nothing's priced. And you know, it was still relentless. Like people really wanted to shop there. And last year, as recently as last year, you know, I was in the strip district in around this time of year last year and i noticed that you know as covid was kind of dropping off that stores in the strip district were really really busy and but they were unique stores and they had experiences that people were taking pictures and you know they had unique items to offer and it was almost like an experience beyond just filling up your cart with items and I said, you know what? We have all this massive inventory. It's it's all right there. Like we could do this, but we have to make it really unique. It has to be a place because we're in such an odd location that we're gonna have to do really fun things 
and events for the community. And it's, it's going to really have to have a wow factor that people are going to find us because we're not in a retail center. We're in a warehouse. So we made this transition last year and you know, my goal was, I said, well, if we can, if we, if we, if we can pay our rent, that would be, you know, with the sales, that would be a success. And it didn't take too long to see that this was going to be on a bigger scale than that. Um, we had some really neat events where we had the, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. We had the Ghostbusters, had a 25-foot Stay Puff Marshmallow Man that we had inflated in front of our store that, you know, they have the Ghostbuster car and they all dress up in costume. And, you know, we, we would have these events, you know, for Halloween we, we got 20 professional actors hired as and and they were dressed as superheroes um you know so things like that for kids and and people in our area like you just don't see things like that so i was thinking for december that we would have an event and i was thinking of calling it like a pittsburgh christmas and we would have some people from you know maybe some local celebrities people on the news and yeah you could you could meet them and get their autograph um just local people people that are really popular in the area and i reached out to a few people and they they were all really interested but the thing was we couldn't settle on a date um that they could all be there so they all said if you ever come up with something else you know keep us in mind so i went back to the drawing board and i'll tell you how serious i was it was it was 10 o'clock on new year's eve and i called I was talking to my dad and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm working on this, on this project. And he goes, you're working. It's, it's new year's Eve. It's, it's <laughs> 10 o'clock. You know, you should be, you should be having a party. And I said, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm really, I'm really think of something serious here that, that I'm working on. And what I was doing was putting the groundwork together for this idea where you get, all Pittsburgh biggest celebrities and their biggest brands and you have them all under one roof like a convention and I said I was going to call it YinzerCon and I went back to the celebrities that I talked to the first time and they were all on board with it and you know we, we had our, our graphics artist that works for us draw up some graphics and they were fantastic and we announced our first guest was Mary Hours from KDKA and we put the post up on Facebook and I think it got something over a thousand likes and I had Royce Jones call me up from KDKA and he said can I get you on the news tonight this we got we got to put this on and I said sure you know I'd, I'd be glad to talk about it and you know a couple days later uh, I had a conversation with my landlord and they said, you know, that we're not going to be able to accommodate thousands of people. Like, like this is like, because after we had announced a few guests, um, you know, I, I'd met with some professional planners and they, they said, you know, Dawn, this is, this is going to be a, a big thing that, uh, you know, you're going to have to do something here and, and kind of choose a lane. <laughs> so I said, well, I talked to, you know, I talked to the casinos, I talked to the convention centers, and, you know, again, this was kind of cutting it too close, but we're going to have it 
at the store for the first year. We're going to keep it limited to a few hundred people. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tough ticket. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that in advance, but, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to pack too many people in. We wanted it to be a fun experience, but I mean, the, the lineup of guests we have, or it's, it's just going to be fantastic. I mean, we have, you know, like I said, we have people from the news. We have, we have zombies from the living dead. We have, <laughs> we have bands. We have j- just a wide variety. There, there's people that we haven't even announced yet. Um, you know, people from the past that, you know, once, once we release their names, we'll say, ah, oh, I remember her. Um, just today we had Sally Wigan from channel four. Um, she was really distraught that she couldn't be there on April 15th. So she said, what can I do? I'll do anything for you outside of disrobing. I'll do anything for you. And I said, I said, well, you don't have to disrobe. I said, uh, why don't we pick a different day and we'll have a day just for you. So, so April 1st is going to be, uh, I said, we'll come up with something like a, like a, like a offshoot. So we'll have, we're going to call it the Yenzercon signature series and we're going to have a day just for Sally Wigan. And then there's other people that want to be involved and can't make it. So we'll have days after Yenzercon that they can have their own day. And we're going to make Yenzercon next year into an event that, you know, We'll probably be at a convention center or, or a bigger venue that can accommodate more people. Where's it at? Uh, it's it's going to be at our at our facility in the Amcel Center in Bel Vernon, okay. where we're our, our store location. And what's the date? April fifteenth. Are tickets still available? Or are you guys? Tickets have not gone on sale oh, okay. yet. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some Ticketmaster type uh, situation where there's too much demand and not enough tickets to go around. So I. I know, so I know that's problem. I know that's going to happen, but uh, I mean we're going to be limited to a couple hundred people, and and you know I was told that there was you know the the planners that I talked to thought that you know five thousand would be you know the the number that would probably be interested in an event like this for the first year. So there's a pretty big gap between three hundred and five thousand, <laughs> but uh, you know I'm I'm so excited to be able to create something from the ground up because I didn't know any of these people. Um, it's, it's so, it's been a, such a learning experience, you know, trying to track down people and, you know, some of them get back to you. Some of them, you have to go through their agent. Some of them, you know, they're, they're older guys, so they don't use social media. So you got to find a way to get a hold of them. Um, so it's almost, it's a, it's a real challenge to try and, you know, track people down, tell them your vision, get, you know, agree on a date. Um, and it's like a big puzzle that's coming together. And, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's totally different from, you know, my a normal day's work for me. But, um, you know, to, to create, like I said, to create something, and I think this is something that could live on long, long, long after I'm gone. Um, I think this is something that people will come home for, that you know, my brother lives in Dallas. I could see somebody like him say, "Oh, I'm going to come home for Yinzercon." Um, even bigger celebrities that you know have since moved on to Hollywood. Um, you know, I I I I could see a day where they you know they come home for Yinzercon too. So um, it's it's got a pretty high ceiling, I think. And when I had the idea, I even ran it past our staff and I said, "Are we sure nobody's done this before?" And because this seems like kind of 
like like kind of obvious like like the demand would be there and and yeah we and you know nobody nobody could ever think of something like this so it's uh we're, we're gonna go ahead with it and we're really excited about it now back to your memorabilia business and we'll finish up with the intercon tell us some of the really interesting things that you have in your building right now well let's see we have um we have a piece that i put together signature by signature that has the entire dream team on it with mm. michael jordan and you know that was a challenge you know a puzzle to put together to collect authentic autographs of you know you know who was one of the tougher ones was chuck daly who's the coach because you know the coaches don't sign as you know as many cards and things as as the players but uh that was that was a neat one to put together um you know we have tens of thousands of authenticated autographs we have jfk uh, we have Colonel Sanders from KFC. Mm. You know, we, we have people from, you know, people that are, you know, have, have number one on the charts right now, and we have people from yesteryear. We have, we have something for really all eras. Um, that, that's the neat thing about our store is that even today I saw it when I was there. Um, you, you'll see grandparents, parents, and kids shopping together. And there's something for all the generations right. because of the different, all the different things that we have in stock. No, uh, I again, I'm gonna be honest. I was like, didn't know that existed. So uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. And again, this is why we bring you on the show. They kind of, you know, get the word out of all these things that are going on. Um, I kind of want to go back to you. You uh, obviously wrote the book. Um, what was the inspiration for that? Well. Uh, I had had so many bizarre occurrences uh, on the golf course and, of course, the different uh, things that I had been invited to partake in. Uh, and after 25 years of that, uh, you know, my, my family kept saying to me, you know, you got to write a book about this, you know. And, it, and when, I, when I sat down... Uh, I have a degree in journalism, and you know when I sat down and I started putting a layout together of what the book would entail, I realized that I had probably enough that I could make it into two books. Uh, that that's how many <laughs> unique stories there were. Um, but uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun doing the book, and you know if I'm having a particularly difficult day. I can go back and open up the book and start reading some of the things that I did, and it, it just lightens me my mood because uh, they were just some really incredible things. Uh, and you know, I've, I've I've looked at as an author, I, I get to see all the comments that people make on the book, and uh, you know, I, I have so many. Uh, favorable reviews of, of from people saying that you know gee I used to think I was bad and now I, I'm gonna go take the game back up you know uh, things like that but uh, and and other people saying that you know you know but at least you didn't quit you know at least you didn't give up and and you know so so that that's it, it was it was the first book that I wrote and I had such a great experience with it that I, I said to myself, you know, I wonder what it would be like to write a, a piece of fiction. And so 
I, I did a book, uh, it's called The Heroes of La Palma, and I created this fictitious government agency called the Federal Rapid Response Unit, and they, they call themselves Unit One, and they, they're a counterterrorism force. And uh, it, it turned out that one story led to another, led to another. I, I have, so far I've written four books wow. in, in this series. <clears throat> wow. And uh, uh, yeah, I've had a, a lot of fun writing that. I, I also wrote a, um, uh, a book uh, about unsolved mysteries. Um, 150 of the greatest, you know, unsolved mysteries. Nonfiction, and, though. Uh, Nonfiction. Uh, no, these are these are right. They're they're real. Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe I'm, where some of those 27 balls went. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and now I'm 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 working on uh, an encyclopedia uh, series, which is going to be about uh, monsters, cryptids, and Wow. Par- paranormal t- uh, creatures. Uh, so it it's, it's keeps me busy, keeps yeah. my mind active, you sure. know, now that I'm retired, you know. Well, you, look, uh, you look great. Now, I asked Don about you. I'm going to ask you about Don. Tell us about your pride and your thoughts about what Don has accomplished. Well, you know, he's, um, he's a really intense guy. And uh, I, I think the, the thing that I'm most proud of is that, you know, when, when he said to me one day, that he wanted to make part of his business into a retail store. And, you know, I, I said, well, wait a minute. You know, we, didn't, we didn't find this, this place here with the idea of that this was going to be a retail store because you're on the second floor. It's not a, it's not a retail center. Uh, there's nothing, nothing makes sense about this. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, if you make it good enough, people will find it. And... That's true. You know, there, I can I can think of of businesses that are located in places that you would think, well, that's a crazy place to put right. a restaurant or whatever, and and they're busy. Why? Because they're good. So uh, I thought that was a good attitude to have going in, and he he used um, he relied on me a little bit for store planning, and uh, you know I was glad to help. And you know it it's uh, it, it's really turned into a, a beautiful store, and I'm I'm really proud of him for for taking it from scratch. Right. And now you look out there, and jeez, it, it's a, like a whole big store full of stuff. And uh, you know he's he's really accomplished a, a lot. And as a father, you know you. you all you can hope for is to have your sons be able to be successful. Sure. And I have two sons that are that are both very successful. That they're in good marriages. They've got beautiful children and grand- grandchildren for us. And you know, I don't know how how much more blessed we could be. That's very nice. That's very nice. No, it's wonderful. Actually, you know what? Um, it is funny you say that about business, though, because. You know, if you're reading a business book, it's, you know, location matters and all these kind of, you know, these by the book, you know, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. I've always said, if you have something that's good enough and it gets out there, 
it's going to sell itself in a lot of ways. To your point, how are they going to find it? They're going to somebody say, where did you get that from? Or where did you buy that? Or you should have had this meal I had yesterday. It was delicious. That's, that is your friend right there. It's not, well, if I didn't put it on this corner, on this, this city, nobody's going to find my store. You know, do you really want to rely on people to have to walk by it? Or do you want to have a product? People say, I don't care where this guy's at. That's the best. If you want, go there. I mean, it sounds like kind of like your mindset. Were, were, were you a business guy in the background or was that just something you just kind of learned through experience? I went to school for entrepreneurial studies. So, yeah, I think it was kind of in my blood. But, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of diners, drive-ins, and dives. Great. And that, that whole show is built around him finding restaurants that, I mean, he even ones in Pittsburgh He'll come to Pittsburgh, and I'll think oh, I've probably eaten. He'll, he'll say he's in Pittsburgh. They're they're not even places I've ever heard of, <laughs> and but but they're good enough to be noticed by, you know, a production crew, and that's kind of the mindset that I took. Like we have to be so fantastically over the top in presentation and customer experience, and there's you know you can tell what businesses run like that. I mean, you can tell Chick-fil-A does things differently when right. any right. Chick-fil-A's drive-through constantly is wrapped around the building, that they're giving a different experience than the burger joint with two cars in the parking lot. You know, and, and that's, you know, we're in the Internet age. If you do a terrible job, people are going to point that out too. So that's right. Immediately, you know, right. Right. So, you know, they'll point out the good and they'll point out the bad. So why not just do the good thing from the beginning and word will take care of itself. And that's, that's the philosophy that has driven us. And really we're just getting started. We haven't even been in this a year yet. And the, the future I think is pretty hot, pretty limitless. Well, you kind of nailed it. Customer service, a customer experience. I mean, that's, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a restaurant that was trying a different approach. They were going to try and actually intentionally have the waitresses be rude. And it was part of this thing. They were, it was going to be like kind of like a, you know, just a, hey, we're going to try this and kind of a, you know, little, I don't know what you want to call it, a little niche thing. And it would be something different. I, I don't think it worked because I don't think people, even even though you knew you were going in there and it was a quasi fake experience, there's something about being treated bad. You're like, eh, I don't think I'm coming back. But to your point, um, I, I don't know why this is so hard. It's funny you say that. I like to watch Bar Rescue. And for a long time, I thought, this is fake. This is fake. But then you go into places and you're like, wow, these people are really bad. Like, don't you know you should be like kind of nice to your, your customers? And in fact, I'll give you a good example. And I won't say where it was, but it was over in Bloomfield. I went into a bar. They didn't have the TV. This was at happy hour. They didn't have the TVs on and there were no chairs at the bar. It's like, are you open? Are you trying to like just have people just come in and leave? I, it just didn't make sense. And it's common sense that people just like it. Is there any common sense left in a customer experience? Number one. Wait, we have a theme here. A bad restaurant. <laughs> a bad, bad golfer. golfer. <laughs> but, but it, right. <laughs> so maybe it's good. It pays dividends. Yeah. It worked for Angelo. I didn't go back. I'm not going back to that place, uh, though. Yeah. But people want Angelo back, yeah. though. That's for sure. That's no, but it sounds like you're, the intercon's coming along. sounds like your business is doing great, and you're nowhere near uh, where you want to be. And it sounds like the, inter, the intercon's going to keep growing. And, and uh, that's going to be a challenge for you, though, uh, is it not? Well, I think the thing about 
me in business, and I'm sure my dad will attest to this, is that I never reach my goals. Right. And if I'm even in the ballpark, I'll set the goal higher for yeah. the next year. And on one hand, I feel like, you know, I never made it. Like, And I'll say that. I'll say one day I'll feel like I made it, but I still don't feel right. like that. And I think that's what pushes me. And sure. I think that's what pushes, you know, a lot of people that, you know, like sometimes you'll hear athletes that they want to prove people wrong. And to me, it's it's a lot of self-driven. I mean, my dad will tell you that I'm the toughest person on myself um, because I'm my own boss. And, you know, I, I have to push myself when nobody else will. And... You know, I think that's that's the secret is, and and to your point about about the you know the customers and common sense, like I think you have to really be have a have a level of self awareness to see yourself the way others see you, right. and you know, would you want to shop at a place that treats you poorly? Would you want to deal with people that are rude to you? Of course not. So, give people treat. It's you know, it's it's the golden rule. Sure. Yeah, you know, just <clears throat> treat people how you want to be treated, and and that's really what we go by. And you know, it's 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 common sense, you would think, but there's a lot of places that, you know, they they just don't use common sense a lot of times. Well, with what you said, it reminds me of a quote that I've used all the time on this show by two guys, Dan Marino. He says, "You can do more. You can always do more." Or Mario Andretti, if you're if you have everything under control, you're not going fast enough. You know, and I'm the exact same way. I never feel like I've done enough. There's always more. There's always more. And that's good. And, and you keep reaching. But it makes life more interesting and to, to keep accomplishing and keep chasing. As long as you catch that carrot once in a while, it, it's, it's good. Well, the problem, too, is when you set a goal and you attain it, it's like, kind of like, now what? Right. So you want to keep pushing yourself. You, don't almost, like, you almost like don't want to reach the goal. You want to keep going. Um, I'm reading a great book, and they talk about once you get – once, for example, a sports team gets to the pinnacle and they think, okay, we're good. It's like the only thing that's going to happen, your stars are going to get older. And so you better change things up because you're there now, but you're not going to be there very long. So you've got to constantly keep moving and changing things up. And it's not about tricking yourself to change, you know, the finish line. It's about, I've got to look, I'm about to reach this. What's the next step? So I'm going to just start going for the next step and you just constantly keep going forward. And, you, you know, you'll look back and realize how much you've accomplished. Right, we've only got a few minutes left. Uh, what do you think? We want to give them the one, the one last big question from each one of well, them. Well, tell people how they can uh, get more information on your business and on Yinzercom and Angelo. You know, how can people get these great books and, and works of yours? We'll start with you, Angelo. Well, uh, you can go onto Amazon um, and look up books by Angelo Spagnolo, and all my titles will be right there for you. Great. Uh, all right. And Don, go ahead. Well, you can look us up at Steel City Galleries with an S dot com or remixed R E M I X X D dot com. And those are our websites. And you can also look us up on social media at Steel City Galleries. Or you can come visit us sometime at the Amcel Center at two thirty six Finley Road in Belvernon. I told you they were good guys, didn't they? They were. You know what? I want to get one what kind of final thing though? I want to ask you this because you know the funny thing is You've kind of built success on failure, and you're kind of building success <laughs> out of no. I've seen that in a good way, and then you're kind of building success out of nothing. If you were going to get thirty seconds, if you're going to give anybody that's listening advice, what would you tell them? Uh, I I always feel like you need to keep yourself in perspective. You know, no matter 
how bad things might be, there's somebody that's got it a lot worse than you. For sure. And, you know, I I never threw clubs or swore or anything like that, no matter how bad I was playing. And they they told me in the USA Today that uh, I either had the most limited vocabulary (laughs) or I had the makings of a saint. Uh, that I wasn't swearing and throwing clubs. All right, I'm not going to admit that I'm not maybe. <laughs> I haven't thrown a club, but I definitely have a better vocabulary. For me, I've always really had focus on what I was doing and bet on myself. And I, I just like I like I said, I I always push myself harder than anybody else could push me. Um, and that's kind of what you have to do in business. You have to be able to put put your put your money where your mouth is and bet on yourself. And you know, but in the bigger picture of life, you know, I just I just did a big post on Facebook the other day. I, I when after we were on TV, I listed a bunch of things I was really grateful for, and I concluded it by saying that the, my most important job is as, as a father and as a dad. And to have my family around me on this journey is the the best part of all. And you know, with without your family around you, you know, you're just not you're just not as strong. So I think it all starts at home and it goes from there. Very nice. Very nice. That's great the way Italians that's the way Italians do it. There you go. Way to finish that one. We had to include that one. Very nice. I encourage our listeners to go back to last week's episode where we talk about that very thing. So very, very well done. Um, all right. So it looks like we're just about up, Claudio. Angelo, Don, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. It's been an honor and a blessing to, to know you guys and to call your friend. And uh, we'll have you on again. i got to get you on my show. And uh, we'll definitely support your, your, your business and your uh, Yenzercon and your work as well. So thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Awesome. And always, again, we want to thank Hank Eduardo for the music. And if you're interested in hiring Hank, you can find him on Facebook. And that's Hank Eduardo. He plays all types of music, oldies, new music. You go out and look for Hank. He's a great guy and a great musician. And, folks, that about does it. Thank you again for joining us. And if you missed any of our past episodes or you want to hear this one again, go out to italianimpactweekly.com. Again, that's italianimpactweekly.com. And thank you, Mom and Pop and Linda and Ida. Awesome. Thanks, guys.